0: Welcome back to Talk Talk. This is Emily Osan, and I am here today with Ly.
1: Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah. So so please, finally, I got a chance to be on your on your podcast. Yeah. I'm so looking forward
0: to it. I'm super excited for this conversation. So, you were just telling me that you just signed up. What was it that made you pick this prompt? Was there anything particular?
1: No, uh, this is actually my available time during the, during so you the Just, weekend.
0: just this, is the, this is the time you have, so you're have here to, to see, talk about it?
1: I have to seize that opportunity so I, I can be on the show. Uh, love actually, I was listening to some other podcasts or seeing other some other prompt. I was like, oh, this is a great one. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> I want to be here and having a lovely conversation with you. If,
0: if you find another one, you're welcome to come back again. Um, yes. I love having repeat guests and talk great. again and again. So the prompt today we're talking about is prompt six. How does the way that we organize or classify knowledge affect what we know? So I really like this question. I mean, I really like all the questions. They're all really good ones. Um, And I think this one's really nice because it's asking us to think about our organization Mm -hmm. and classification and the way that we put knowledge into different kind of boxes, perhaps. I was thinking it has a lot to do, in many ways, language as a form of classification yes. as well. What, what were your responses to it?
1: I mean, firstly, when I when I was thinking about this as a, as a Chinese teacher, I definitely go go to the language perspective, mm-hmm. but also in the same time, I feel like um, it is such an interesting aspect to think about Chinese kind of the progression as well. Mm-hmm. Not only the, the language because most of the time, language is really a carrier for uh, some notion, maybe politically or phil- philosophical kind of ideas. One thing I find it quite interesting, and this is actually changing the involvement the, the of Chinese civilization was during Han Dynasty. Mm. We're talking about over 2000 years ago, there was this uh, emperor, Han Di. Mm. He's really, really, really famous because of his, you know, he stand on, you know, the, the great China, the great Empire wants to expand. Mm. They they kick the barbarian away from from the you know from the the West and also the North. And during that time he's really trying to mobilize kind of the whole country. What he basically did was he overthrown with the intellectual, he overthrown the whole notion of different schools of ideas philosophically. Mm. If you think about Taoism, if you're thinking about Confucianism. If you're thinking about Mozi, if you think about Sunzi, there was a there was a period in the war state of China that people were actually having multiple different ideas. It's like the mm. the era of the great the great Greek philosophers. Mm-hmm. Those were our golden age. There were people kind of argue with each other. They have different schools of thinking. They have different ideas of how the world the world is supposed to work. But you know what Hamudi has decided? Look, we're just gonna follow this one path we're just going to categorize the or classified knowledge in terms of Confucius you are the ultimate truth Mm. and how virtues and values and how the government and how the um the intellectuals and how the society works should base off the model of Confucius yeah I think that has a huge impact if you historically uh, that change the idea of okay. If I'm believing something different, mm-hmm. or because the the emperor or the uh, politically and philosophically, we believe this is a perfect model. We put that into that classification. These are the classics.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No one seems to challenge it anymore. Yeah. Which is quite sad, if you think about it, because mm-hmm. later on in Song Dynasty, where this kind of the during that time people are trying to. Interpret the the Confucius kind of perfect state. Thinking about the political e- Ethiopia is that that's, that's the right word? E- utopia, Euc- like the perfect world. Utopia. Utopia. Thank you. If they're thinking about their Confucius e- e- utopia. Utopia. Got it. They they cannot even interpret with Song Dynasty circumstances. Huh. They have to go back to the Han dynasty, they have to go back to the Zhou dynasty, they have to go back like even 2000 years ago from the Sun dynasty to say, that's actually the perfect state. Hmm. What I feel kind of interesting is how that that language and that philosophy actually impact the whole notion of Chinese people will, will always follow this one path of Confucianism and it lasts that impact until, you know, until now. Even. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think, um, you know, during the 19th century or 18th century, China kind of, to a certain sense, lost the, the opportunity of industrial revolution, uh, re- revolution or the technolo- technological mm-hmm. involvement because it seems to the society that's not the way yeah. we should pursue because mm-hmm. we've already got everything sorted. Two thousand years ago, those are the classics. And Those are the things that people needs to to take task for. Those are the people guiding guiding them from, you know, the government policy and also how you will how you will conduct yourself as an individual.
0: Mm. I see this in in some ways as like China's superpower, because yes. they have this one sort of overarching philosophy yes. that it unites. But I see what you're saying, in, in some ways it's both their superpower and their weakness, right? Mm. It's the same all at once because the ability to unite through one set of virtues, I mean, yeah. um, it, it, it's very similar to like Christianity, right? Trying mm-hmm. to sort of take that across the world and spread yeah. that. Um, but at the same time, it's it's what, like kind of what you're saying. Are you saying that it kind of stopped? that um, is, is certain stops, philosophical progression, or
1: I think philosophically it, it still evolves. Mm, There's beyond okay. Confucius during their Ming Dynasty, so mm-hmm. people are trying to kind of fit in this the, the notion of Confucianism. If you think about, I guess the, the U.S. Constitution, you've got to make commitments to it mm-hmm. because it was yeah. made two hundred years ago. Yep. Same thing with the Confucianism. But I think my main point in terms of classifying knowledge is. If that's one way of knowing at a certain time and you mm-hmm. put it into a category, say this is, those are classics. Those are the ones that are bulletproofs or those mm. are the ones that should guide every day kind of decision-making actions. No matter you are individual like a presence mm. or you are the emperor of the, of the state. Yeah. Then that affect how we, how we perceive the world. Yeah. Because you see the world through this one lens then you lose the opportunity of seeing the world in oh. different other ways. Um,
0: so to answer the question kind of just quickly, yes, how does it or how does that way of organizing it affect what we know? Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying it's it's it is filtering it as a lens. Yes. So that's how. Um, and maybe that is a limiting thing. Yes. But also, like you said, it's a form of commitment to something. So yes. what I was saying with that superpower is by committing to that lens, you then have, you don't have to question. Um, yes. Like, what are the virtues? What should I do? Like, it's already decided. You just go with that. Absolutely. Um,
1: the other part of, I, I guess, knowing is... Mm. You know, one way of knowing it through your own experience is through your own judgment, sometimes mm-hmm. critical thinking, some, sometimes asking questions. Um, I think that the, the strength of a civilization with, I guess, one side of, you know, philosophy or mm-hmm. the dominant philosophy that everyone kind of follow it and see the benefit of doing so is definitely, you know, create a very strong and big civilization. Mm. But I think... On the other hand, it kind of stops people from asking questions. Mm. Um, you know, uh, if let's imagine, perhaps maybe like a little village. In the village, you have you know an agriculture-based kind of, uh, kind of society. Uh, everyone kind of go to the shrine, go to, to pray the tribute to the ancestor for for, for Confucius. Mm. That's very important. Is
0: is it a real village? Could this be a real village?
1: Uh, can this be a real village? Uh, not at this moment.
0: I, like for, back in time? So back some... in
1: times. Oh, actually, my, my grandparents, mm. they're from a village like that. Okay. Um, it's not far from now. They're, uh, they were born in the early uh, 1900s. Okay. Uh, and they moved to Tianjin, mm, uh, a okay. big city. Mm. But in their village, uh, it's called, uh, so they're from the Hebei province. Mm. In the Hebei province, there are uh, kind of like two villages really close to each other. Yep. one is called I'm sure they have some dates in that village uh-huh. and the other one is Jixian. it's a very famous famous area because of I guess the uh, the, uh, the guerrilla war during kind of uh, the Japanese yeah. invasion mm-hmm. uh, put that to the side my grandparents they have their family family tree mm-hmm. their family code uh, each village will have their and family shrine yeah. that you go there, you pay tribute to their to your to your ancestors, and even if you leave that that village to to the city, um, they will still keep you as a record of that family. So it's it just shows you how tight yeah the civilization is, and I think in a village like that, you are constrained to the to the ground to the work that you do yeah you
0: in the sense that you're not exposed to life outside of that area easily are anyway unless you have out. a visitor yes. particularly before the internet I mean back back in those days without the internet mm. without phones or you know you're waiting for people to come or yes or get letters perhaps or messages from people coming in and out
1: mm, totally I, I think they're definitely excluded into yeah. that kind of yeah. Little, it's almost like a micro society.
0: Yeah. And that yeah.
1: micro society is operated by, you know, the Confucius mm-hmm. kind of notion of, yeah. you know, pay tribute to your ancestors, listen to your, you know, your father, uh, listen to your, your elderlies. They know the best. Mm-hmm. They tell you about the virtue of Xiao, which is, you know, taking care that of respect your, and respect and yeah. taking care of your, 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 your parents. Um, they also talk about kind of the loyalty uh, within, the, within the family, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about a typical, I, I guess, a Chinese village, mm-hmm. that people will be quite content and that's only the life that they know. Mm-hmm. And I think from a bigger perspective, it's because we didn't show them or the, the philosophy at that time for, for Confucius tells you the essence of being obey and being loyal and Mm -hmm. being respectful it doesn't urge the civilization in that micro um, village to be able to step out and experience the world that they can yeah the only reason why people leave is probably short of shortage of food Mm -hmm. uh, probably because um, there's better opportunities some Mm -hmm. of the pool factors being being pulled away to to the big city uh, or they have a connection mm-hmm. to the city. And China is also very close, be- it's a very kind of um, close society. It's also because everyone's kind of connected to the, to the land that you own. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: it's hard to move. So I think all the, you know, put everything else away in, in terms of how human operates. I think if we have this one type of knowledge, no matter it's Confucius, Christianity, maybe science, maybe things like that, we put them to the center of the the knowledge yeah. that we say, okay, we know these are correct, we know these are classics. At that moment, I think we need to ask questions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that's why science is quite nice. It's always ask, you know, yeah, you know, you're you're almost like proving the previous people wrong. Yeah, You're almost asking the question, no, hold on a moment. I, I think that kind of a challenging is a great way, is a great tr- tribute to our yeah. civilization as for now. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's I, I guess, one example of kind of, yes, putting the, the knowledge or knowing the knowledge from a classified, Category-wise, it, it can enhance certain things, mm-hmm. but it also has limitations yeah. to the society. So both like shapes and limits.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well said. It's really interesting. I'm glad I got the specific example too because, I like the more I can we can base it in what's real. Mm. Uh, these kinds of discussions the better. Okay. Um. So, kind of shifting a little bit. It, yes. It's interesting because you're. Coming from, uh, you were born in China, mm-hmm. raised, and, and then having learned English, you're, yes. you have access to things that your grandparents wouldn't have had access to. Yes. Um, and same like, like me. I was born in the U.S., raised speaking English, and then moved to China and spent a lot of my adult life in China learning some Chinese mm-hmm. um, and having access to things that my grandparents wouldn't have had mm-hmm. access to. Yeah. So it's interesting that we're both sort of stepping out of our own lens, in a sense, yes. and trying to expand our lens. Um, I mean, that's really a, what the IB philosophy is about, right? Yes. It's like learning to understand and and, and, and appreciate um, other points of view, other perspectives. So I think it's interesting because what we're asking is how it uh, how it affects what we know. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like um, like more personally? Mm-hmm. You're able to know more or different because you stepped out of that lens, or have mm. you stepped out of the lens? Has it just changed?
1: I think um, at times I feel I feel really lucky. Actually, I, mm-hmm. I feel really lucky that uh, I I can speak another language.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I can I can get out of my um, you know my society or my civilization to mm-hmm. be able to understand another culture a bit more in depth Mm -hmm. i I think language definitely helps um in the past actually i I always didn't really like those people that use chinese and english in the same time in -hmm. their sentences (laughs) but uh, as my english become a little better i I totally can understand that because certain certain definition or certain words there's no better way of using that yeah um, than speaking another language, for example. Um, in Chinese we would probably all say mafa. Yeah, um, yeah. You know this word yeah. as well. I just um, I don't know if you know English has a certain words so I can it's, just say, oh so mafa.
0: Yeah, it doesn't I suppose I mean we would say like hassle or a bother or a pain. Yeah. But there isn't like a single word that is quite I, I appreciate that. I mean I think some it's just like having better words for things. Yes. Um it's not that the concept doesn't exist, right? We have the same concept. Like yeah. I get I get matched. But um but it's interesting, like bother or hassle or yeah, it's it's not got the same feeling or I, essence maybe. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> going
1: back to the to the prompt I think is perhaps when I you know, when when how your brain this is where I, I don't know how our brain works that well, but I'm just Based off my experience, thinking about okay, if during that moment um, I learned about the, the idea of hassle, mm-hmm. but when I first learn it's it because the emotion and that, that feeling, that interaction, that application is through trouble yeah. in Chinese, which is mafa. Mm-hmm. Later on, you do learn about it, you know, in another language, yeah. but it just doesn't express your feeling.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, same thing. I think uh, at times with English in in our work context, uh, we will will have certain acronyms. We'll have certain way of communicating. Mm-hmm. We say certain things. For example, we say PGRP, Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be really really. <laughs> what does this mean outside of here <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. school?
0: I have no idea. No idea, right? Yeah. But, uh,
1: also in the same time, uh, also the other part where learning IB would say global contacts. Yeah, example. yeah. It's going to be really weird when you say in, in Chinese actually. Yeah. When you say global contact, you got the word contact. But Beijing, sure, it, it kind of gives you that, but, but it doesn't fully kind of translate the nuance about it. But I feel like we do learn things through our, you know, in our head, this is from individually, we do categorize. You know through language through experiences through
0: mm. you know
1: um you know through our daily interactions mm-hmm. those are the things that will help us to make sense of the world
0: yeah absolutely and i think at the very basic level language is the first way that we classify and organize yeah. Yeah. i mean just giving something a name yes this is a a, a book yes or so forth um, is a form of classifying. If I didn't give it that name, I gave yes. it another name, would it change the quality of that bookness? Probably not. But
1: Probably not, no. The
0: the fact that I have this concept of Mafan, mm-hmm. and you have this concept of Mafan, and we both have this personal connection to it, yeah. It does. there is a subtle, I appreciate, a subtle nuance that's um, gained through your personal connection to yes. language. I don't think it necessarily changes... Our understanding to an extreme sense. Mm. Um, there may be cases, but I think overall we do pretty well with translation. I mean, I would I, I would hate to think that translation is just entirely wrong. We it's not even worth doing, you know, translating poems and and stories Ooh. into other languages.
1: Ooh, um, we certainly should. We certainly should translate. Right, uh, we need to. However. Uh, I do see the challenge of translation, yeah. and, you know, uh, translated work. For mm-hmm. example, recently, uh, cause I'm gonna prepare myself for teaching DP next year. So oh. I'll be kind of reading books and, and all that jazz doing my preparation. Good for you. Thank you. Sounds uh, fun. Shui <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hu, which is a, um, I, I think for DP students, uh, they definitely know, or anyone knows, this is our four classics novels. Mm, right, Shuihu. yeah. So,
0: interesting.
1: Shuihu is uh, it's really hard to translate if you think about it. So shui means water.
0: Yeah.
1: Hu is like even in the Chinese kind of um, scholars, they they have different understanding. Shuihu can be means the, the area besides water. Zhuan mm-hmm. is basically just a kind of uh, how do I put it? It's like a story, or a, uh, telling a story about this area besides the water. Mm-hmm. So in this story, it, it talks about uh, hundred and eight um, heroes were were kind of Robin Hood kind of figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some of them are actually quite bad. They're they're like, you know, they all kill people and put them into into you know chop them up and eat them. So how it's, has it's, this
0: not been turned into like a Netflix special? I don't understand.
1: Uh, yes, uh, probably well, PG, <laughs> someday. P- PG, someday PG fourteen at least. <laughs> anyway, so this is a great classic story. Um, but the, the, when, when the scholar tried to translate that into English, I think the first challenge part is the title.
0: <laughs> just the title. Just the title. Not even the contents. Not even the, not even the content <laughs> yet. Uh, the
1: title, one of the one I really like was um, because in Shuihu you have 108 heroes mm. where this is a quote unquote because mm. lots of people don't believe they're heroes. Lack of my, my English, I, I can just say they are... Um, they're almost like um, like outlaws it's like in the in the west they're they're outlaws they they do have a very strong brotherhood Mm -hmm. but sometimes those brotherhood can actually be evil but anyway put that to the side one classic translation was this is a story the story of 105 men and 3 women that's a English translation one type of English translation to the title Oh, nothing, instead has, of Shuihu, it's instead of Xuehu.
0: 105 men and 3 women
1: because in out of those 108 there, heroes, were, three women. there were 3 women wow okay i, I kind of like that you know it changes
0: the entire story cha- the title of the story it, ch-
1: it changes the whole notion because they were they were they put themselves into this um, this uh, this area that their territory it's right next to the water. Mm-hmm. It's this area which is beautiful. It has lots of water around them. It's really secluded, but also they have a lot of resources. But anyway, it's a great story. I, I really recommend yeah. it. But when you look it up, the translation, I think it's really easy to say the story besides the water or the story next to a bank of the water. Mm. But that, that, doesn't, that doesn't give you the essence of the story. Yeah, I see. Only when I guess when the intellectual translated, they were like, oh, I'm probably imagining how am I going to let an English reader to pick out this book?
0: Yeah. So they have to shift the...
1: They have to change it. Yeah. So, see, in, in terms of translation, hmm. I think accuracy is probably the, the number one. If you're, yeah, if yeah. you're you know, uh, politicians yeah. in countries, accuracy sure. is really, really important. But when you step into the realm of literature... The literature
0: arts, yeah, changes. Then you change the whole thing. Yeah, um, really but. interesting. Really interesting. Very fascinating. I, I I'm I'm tempted to go on. Um, I have I was I've been recently reading this book in about um, emotional intelligence. Yes. Um, and one of the things that they talk about is not having words for the emotions hmm. that we feel. Mm-hmm. And that actually limits what we actually are able to know about ourselves yes. and about mm-hmm. others. Yes. And when you ask people how they are doing, mostly they'll say like, good, fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you say, actually, how are you actually feeling? Mm-hmm. The the words are limited because we're not taught really to identify mm-hmm. all the different ranges of emotions that mm-hmm. we, we feel. So it's really interesting. I've, I've read about this. Uh, I'll show you. Yeah. Um, so it's like a quadrant. hmm so it's a um, this is by um, the director of Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. His it's a book I've been reading is called Permission to Feel, mm. and it's by Mark Brackett Okay. So he pre- presents this um, grid like a north south east west grid. Um. So these two axes one is from high to low, mm. or sorry, low to high, mm-hmm. and in terms of energy level. Okay. So how intense do you feel? Yeah. Um. And then from like left to right is um, like kind of negative to positive. Yeah. So you have any on any given Mm. day, you have either high level of energy, the intensity you might feel something, or the you know, sadness. And so you have these different quadrants. And this has been like a really powerful tool Mm. when given to Students, teachers, mm. anyone actually, mm. um, just to identify like where they are on that spectrum. Mm. And I've been using this each day to sort of check in with how I feel. And mm. I, it's actually been, I've been able to notice more nuance mm. just by classifying it. So like if I was act- oh. actually to ask you, where are you on this quadrant? Are you... Sort of in that high energy, low energy. I was.
1: I went to the gym last night, so I'm a little low on energy. <laughs> All right. So, so down here somewhere yes, on the bottom. Um, definitely not the bottom. Actually, this conversation was quite, um, quite exciting.
0: Yeah.
1: Me. Um. So it's probably on the lower ascent. So the kind of that's energy, and this is kind of happy.
0: positive. To so negatives over here.
1: Yeah. I think. I think I'm probably right here. Yeah.
0: Okay. So closer to the the kind of content. So there's all these different words we can learn to associate. And I think that, um, Mm. by learning these different classifications and ways of calling our emotions that actually we're able to know more. So I think in some ways that they shape, like you were saying before, and they limit, but they also expand what we can know.
1: Oh, wow. That's a great, totally. Um, I mean, Confucius, um, the Confucius, the person, um, he talked about mm. our classics. One classic was a set of folk, um, folk poems. Uh, a set of that before, like um, before, actually some of was before Confucius' time. He also talked about, you know, um, the notion of you should do, uh, you should read about Shijing, which is a classic of po- poetry. Uh, one of the benefit of reading that is you can recognize the loss of the name of the plants, mm. which is quite fascinating. If yeah. you think about Confucius, you know, put, put put himself away from kind of the, you know, the virtues, the value of the society. He actually said the benefit of doing that is you can know more plants. One thing I feel really bad about, especially after coming back from YLP, mm. there are so many plants. Yeah. There are so many things that I just it definitely kind of limits my understanding because I just don't have a word for it if if
0: you take that like as a metaphor too like uh, we I had that same experience we were walking and we saw all kinds of grass and I just looked and I was like grass grass. and it's all green and long and thin and tall and pretty but one of the kids was picking the grass and then weaving it and she noticed that actually some of them are thicker and some of them are thinner more hard more soft and actually when we started looking at it she had about eight different kinds of grass and i went whoa i thought those were all the same so it, it metaphorically if we take that as like the grass okay so i didn't know about the grass not a big deal but if i don't know about different religions or philosophies or ideas just simply because i only have the one because I've only stayed within that one organized, you know, pattern of organizing thoughts. It really...
1: Isn't that, isn't that we growing up? Uh, I, I'm taking yeah. that a little further. Yeah. As we grow up, um, probably in our teenager years or later on in life, um, we're still learning, we're still evolving, yeah. right? Um, but there's an anchor in your kind of understanding of mm. the world. That anchor can be quite heavy. Mm. Um Because sometimes we just say, oh, these are horses. Yeah. You you know, these are, you know, these are, we generalize things. Yeah. If you, at at that moment when you generalize, when you say this, there's no question to be asked Mm. that there are horses. Mm -hmm. When you categorize that at that moment or the emotion, just say, I feel good or Mm -hmm, I feel bad mm -hmm. or I feel sad. At that moment, you you, you just categorize that was an overarching kind of big idea. Uh, not big idea, but overarching kind of thing. That's quite dangerous. I yeah, feel.
0: you lose the nuance. And the nuance matters. I mean, you're saying horses, but when we talk about kinds of people or generalizations yes. about yes. stereotypes That's about groups, sure. that is definitely... I mean, I think that how we organize people through stereotypes... Um, affects what we can know about them for sure sure. and it probably more often than not in a negative way
1: i I mean going back to the infant age um the the kids keep asking questions Mm. right they keep asking questions because they know this they they probably haven't categorized certain things Mm -hmm. um another one of my favorite books when i was a kid is called uh, this is a I read the Chinese version. It's called de Sophie's World. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I read that book,
0: too. Uh, I think, I, I think that... think de Yeah, so I think it's
1: Cute. talking about Sophie... I should read little, it in Chinese because I
0: know it in English. <laughs> that might be accessible to <laughs> me. That's a <to> direct <laughs> translation. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh,
1: this one is... Uh, I, I think is really about philosophy, right? Yeah. She, she traveled through with, I think, a friend of that or... Yeah. Or something along those lines. I love it because... Uh, I remember very vividly was oh, okay. These are the people that you know, you know, talking about pl- Plato. Is that the right word? Yeah. Talking about the caveman is kind of walking you through with the kind of the philosophy understanding. I, I love that book when I was in high school. Mm. I think one one part of that book is talking about how adults actually stop asking questions. Yeah. And, and taking things out of ordinary into such a such a surprise if i can fly yeah my my daughter probably one to two year old will just be happy oh daddy can fly
0: yeah
1: but to adult that's so weird because we already programmed a certain way to cannot cap, to categorize yeah, certain yeah. things so that's out of ordinary mm-hmm. so i think again to move the things forward a little bit more is quite dangerous when we is is important for us to label for us to categorize yeah help us to understand but i think when we put that when we take that for granted Mm. or when we put certain knowledge above the others Mm. and don't question it don't question yeah there's a danger to it yeah i agree um so yeah uh going back to the translation um i think i don't know I, i think translation is really difficult that's why i think. If you really, really want to know something really interesting about that culture, learn learn that language.
0: You've got to you've got to have first hand experience. You've got to do it as often as possible.
1: You've got to do it. Um, Yeah. um, You know, poetry is one thing. It's just like
0: it's hard work, though. I mean, I guess what all of this comes down to is not being lazy because Mm. we need the categories. We need those to progress ideas and to expand what we can know. but the moment we stop thinking about them and questioning them, the moment that it becomes dangerous and that's just, that's just it. We can't, we can't be lazy. We,
1: we, we cannot. Um, we have to,
0: we, we can never get comfortable. We cannot. Uh, and,
1: and that's, why, <laughs> okay. that's, that's why as a teacher, that, that's such an amazing job. Yeah, right? it is. It's, I
0: think maybe is that why we love it. I think it is because totally. that you, you're always, you stay awake and you're always questioning. All right, well, I'm going to wrap us up today because that was a really great talk. I, I truly enjoyed it. Um, I've got lots of things to look up, so um, I'll add some of the details to the show notes later so that we can, people can follow up if they're interested in anything we're talking about. Thank, Thank you me. so much for your time today. I really appreciated it. Thank you. All right, cool. Awesome.